Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Jackson trying to escape and run for it. And he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm exhausted again in a season of heart attacks, poor health, stress and anxiety. The Ravens come out with yet another victory at the absolute death. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, who I was enthralled to have watched the game with last night. We record this on Tuesday, and the three of us were able to get together at our my first co-host, Tim Horsey, at Tim Horsey's house, with Jace on the East Coast. We had to make a trip out of it, and... Uh, it was maybe good, Tim, that we were together for this game because it helped uh, us breathe together, uh, you know, count our breaths, and, and hold each other back from punching the television at various times. I very much enjoyed uh, seeing your place and, and hanging out with you guys, Tim. Yeah, I I did also miss the cycle of emotions that we all go through during games. You know, Antonio keeps it level headed, but then just has his moments of bursting out. Uh, Jace is. I love him to death for this. Immediately cynical. The amount of times we're talking about definitely losing this game, which, to be fair, we all had at mo- moments, but Jace really carries that train. And then me just taking all my anger out on a color commentator, this time being Brian Greasy, who I am so glad that I don't have to listen to tonight, and rather I can listen to you guys here. So yeah, thanks for coming out. I'm glad I got to see you guys. And um, yeah, th- this Ravens team, man, I just... <sighs> I, as I tweeted... Uh, during the game, I said, I can't do this anymore. And then after they won, I said, I can do this every week if it means a W. So overall, doing great, man. And now back on the West Coast, Jace, fantastic to spend, uh, sp- I was going to say spend some quality time, but I, don't, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I guess it ended up being positive time, but uh, it was great to see you on the East Coast for a little bit. I'd say it was, uh, from a Ravens perspective, about a quarter in overtime of quality time, <laughs> Antonio. No, it was a great uh, a great visit. Always fun watching games with friends. I think much preferable to the just very stressed out uh, sitting by myself in the chair I am coming to you now from, which is probably what I would have been doing if I'd watched this game by myself. Um, so it was nice to, to share some of these emotions, walk through it, the highs, Super high, obviously, in this game. You know, I think we talked about it last night. One of the great Ravens regular season wins ever. Certainly uh, in a season of wild games, probably the wildest. Um, 
Yes, this team is taking years off our life. I don't know how great they are, but they are 4-1. and one. As Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. Uh, and yeah, it, it's stressful. It's not good for our health, but life is meant to be lived, Antonio. And uh, the Ravens are definitely, you know, living life to the fullest this season, that's for sure. It was sort of a flashback for me to the, to the old college days, uh, watching a game with you two uh, in a living room, stress eating, uh, I'm not going to say stress drinking, but having the beer turn into liquor uh, when the game sort of mandated it uh, as to how this game went. <laughs> right around the time where uh, Baltimore was down 22-3 to in the third quarter, I think that's when I switched over. Um, and then, the, the you know, that maybe the headache that comes the next day when you have that, uh, that type of... Uh, activity and and fun with the, with college friends and I relived it as a thirty year old and it just hurt a little bit more but the game was also that much sweeter. Ravens winning in overtime thirty one twenty five. And my first question to you guys is Lamar Jackson the best quarterback in the NFL? I, I mean this at half as a joke and then also now it's becoming less and less of a joke. Unbelievable performance carried the team. Wouldn't let him lose. Just is he the best? Is he the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm not going to go that far. Um, I, I I would love to on this Ravens podcast, but we don't. We're not going to go through all the stats. You've heard all the stats. You know he accounted for 499 yards by himself uh, of the Ravens total 523. He passed for over 400 yards, four touchdowns all of them coming into the second half where Greg Roman said, let Lamar cook and Lamar cooked a exquisite dish to give the Ravens uh, the victory here. I will say this MVP conversation, I think is interesting with him because we'll, we'll get there and it's, this is the easier part of the schedule. And as we'll talk about it, it's going to get tougher later, which I don't know how we're going to deal with that. Seeing as it takes you know record-breaking field goals to beat the Lions and a, an all-time legendary Monday Night performance for Lamar Jackson to beat the Colts, but it is he. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but I'm so happy that he's mine because my lord, it is fun to watch him and root for him actively every week. And I'll just throw one stat here before Jace breaks everything down in better detail than I ever can. Lamar Jackson ranks 15th in total yards this season. But that's compared to teams. That is compared to team total yards. Lamar Jackson currently has accounted for 1,860 yards. In 16th place is the 49ers with 1,841. In 17th is the Colts with 1,817, and just above us, the Eagles and Raiders. Uh, just three more yards for the Eagles and about 25 more yards for the entirety of these football teams compared to what Lamar Jackson is doing. It's on another level. The ascension is out of this world. And, I mean, we, yeah, let's talk about it. It, it. He was an incredible passer last night too, Jace. It, it, was, it was phenomenal to watch. He was just so locked in, especially in that second half. I completely agree with you, Tim, to answer, circle back to, I guess, just Antonio's question briefly. I agree with Tim. Uh, it's hard to say he's the best, but I do think, you know, if he could string a few, you know, it's hard to, to string several performances exactly like this together. As Tim mentioned, franchise record, 442 passing yards in this game for the uh, Ravens franchise record for Lamar. 
Um, so he's not going to do that every week, but he's really taking a huge leap. You know, he's he's fifth in the NFL in passing yards right now and eighth in rushing. Like, to what Tim said, he's just so valuable. And I think the big difference between what we've seen, and obviously, sample size, it's only been five games. He did it over, he was the MVP over the entire 2019 season. But in that 2019 season, I, I think the defining thing for that Ravens team and him was everything just seemed to come so easily. They just took the NFL so by storm. And this year, they're just having to fight so hard for all these games. And there's so much more personally on Lamar's shoulder, uh, you know, given uh, the line issues, um, which we'll get into a little more uh, in terms of the running attacks, just not the same, uh, frankly. And obviously, that was to be expected when you lose your top three leading rushers from the year before uh, that weren't Lamar uh, coming into the year due to injury. But... Uh, with the line issues uh, and frankly the defensive issues which we'll also get more into there's just a lot he has to do he's been asked to carry a lot and yeah I think uh, if you compare the two seasons it's obviously early but I think he has to be at least one of the MVP front runners just based on how much he has to do for this team and we, we I mean we saw it last night and especially that second half I mean 335 yards four touchdowns in the second half alone finished the game 37 for 43 Tim said we didn't have to get into all the stats, which is very fair, but I do think this one's very interesting. First QB in NFL history to complete more than 85% of his throws while going for 400 yards. Like, we asked for the jump in accuracy in throwing the ball. It seems like we're seeing it with his recent performances the last few weeks. It's not just a jump. It's the Superman leaps over buildings in a single bound. Like, the improvement (laughs) is astronomical. And people have talked about, you know, he's always been he's always been a better passer than the, the national media is going to give him credit for the drops, yada yada yada. This team is always going to be in a football game because Lamar Jackson is playing quarterback. And what was the narrative before? And and you know, there, it was the narrative because part of it was right. If they couldn't run the ball, if they got down early, you didn't know because Lamar would try and almost do too much and force some mistakes, which there were still some of those before, as we get into the negatives later in the program. But he took everything in stride last night. There was no panic. There was just a calm composure to, to Lamar Jackson's play. And he made every single play. Like he made every play that he, almost every play that he needed to make. And obviously we'll get into like the other, some other things that happened, but I have, going into every football game now, I have full confidence that Lamar Jackson is going to perform at his highest level to help us win a football game. And, you know, sometimes there will be the errant pick or whatever it is. And we're, and we're certainly still riding a high from just an absolute insane comeback. But I almost feel like as a Ravens fan now, if they lose a game, it's not going to be Lamar Jackson's fault. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be something else. It's going to be the run game not working or the defense or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to just be a Lamar Jackson stand, even though we massively are on this program. It's more of just, I have the full faith that he is going to show up and play. And it's not always going to be like that, but I mean, I don't know. I just love the guy. It's in the MVP year. We talked about having a great quarterback and that was fun, but Jace, you're right. In retrospect, the fact that everything came so easily I don't know if we appreciate it as much as we appreciate him now with doing stuff like he did last night. It was, it was incredible. 
it just seems like he's gotten so much better also at understanding how much time he has left, how many drives he has left, even with mistakes. Obviously, every quarterback in the NFL makes mistakes. Tom Brady throws interceptions all the time, but he no longer, on the next play after the mistake, tries to score 15 points on one play. And that was how you got all these completions and all these ridiculous stats is that when the deep ball was there, he took it. But when the check down was there, he took it and gained 7 yards, 10 yards, and was able to move down the field quickly to get all these, every single score that they needed with just the right amount of time uh, to get it done, along with some help from uh, Indianapolis, certainly. But as we look at uh, the first half and second half of this game, and I want to I use this to talk a little bit about the struggle of, of the run game. We previewed this game last week and we're sort of expecting slash hoping and praying that we could just go back to the Ravens' wins of old, the old formula, score first, run the ball, uh, use the home crowd to take them, take Indianapolis out of the game early, and then wait for the turnovers from Wentz and, and pull away. And you start out three and out and then immediately give up a touchdown on a long screen on a third and 15 and then another three and out, and then another punt. The Ravens punting on their first four possessions before kicking a field goal to put some points up at halftime. So I want to talk about that slow start offensively, because obviously the result looks great, and the second half looks incredible, but the first half offensively was ugly. Uh, And a big part, yes, Lamar missed a couple of small, you know, short uh, passes there, but also the running game, just not being able to dictate, and this has now happened several times this season. We we know the personnel issues, but uh, you know what what can this team do basically to try to repair this this running game, or is it just against stout defenses? And the Colts' defense was flying around in the first half. Is it just going to be this struggle week in week out against good uh, run defenses? Yeah, I think sadly it is what it is with this team currently as constructed. I mean, we were talking uh, on Monday as we watched together, just another reminder. I love that. Um, That Ronnie Stanley is probably not going to play this year. I mean, we haven't heard anything about that guy. Ben Cleveland went down on IR or he was put on IR today uh, as we record on Tuesday after an injury on Monday. And then I'm sorry, with a team that is this run heavy and this reliant on those running backs, the running back matters. It does. I know people try and say that just it's all the system and you can carve out whatever you'd like and, you know, we can make guys work. But Latavius Murray, and God bless him, just runs dead ahead and he finds his one cut and goes. And that's fine. But you know who does that exponentially better and is way better at reading his blocks and finding his holes and then exploding to it? It's Gus Edwards. You know who always falls forward? It's Gus Edwards. Latavius Murray is Gus Edwards, you know, four out of ten, something like that. Tyson Williams, who we've praised and praised and praised. Last night, you could tell why he was not on the field for the game against Denver, and they were trying something else with Le'Veon Bell. I think the guy is just not ready. He misses holes all the time. There's clearly some issues with pass protection and, and other things like that that, that that have the coaches concerned as well. And then Devontae Freeman is purely a receiving back. And, you know, I think wouldn't be there if Justice Hill wasn't there. You look at the rushing numbers. They only carried the ball 25 times. 14 of those were Lamar Jackson. And then 
they had 86 yards rushing, and 62 of those were from Lamar Jackson. So it's 24 yards without Lamar rushing the football. And for me, because of the – this is just where the injuries are going to catch up. And sadly, and, you know, all the praise we just heaped on Lamar, I think it might end up being – I wouldn't say positive, but it's going to be something that at least will be interesting and fun to watch for us. It is going to be the Lamar show, whether you like it or not, on in the through the air and on the ground because the offensive line cannot get any push against a good defensive line like DeForest Buckner and the guys from the Colts. And the running backs, they're not NFL quality, especially for a team that wants to dominate on the ground. Yeah, we, we talked about watching it. Just Darius Leonard was just everywhere the Ravens' backs were. Like, they were just getting, like, they had no answers for And him, penetration, really. too. And yeah. a lot lots of penetration. And, and so, I think that's what we saw, to Tim's point, in this game. Just, I think it is going to be a struggle against uh, good defenses. And the Colts have, you know, had their, certainly their stouter against the run, I'd say, than the pass, uh, as evidenced by what happened Monday. But, uh, yeah, I... <sighs> It's going to be a struggle, and that hurts to say. Uh, obviously, uh, we should mention the Ravens, much ballyhooed, uh, 100-yard rushing streak ends in this game, but as Antonio's uh, kind of noted, very poetic in some ways. It ends the night Lamar sets the franchise record, which apparently he broke Vinny Testaverde's record, set way back in 1996. Uh, for passing yards in a game. So, you know, one one, uh, one uh, door closes, another opens, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it and, and that's just, like, I think the, the run issues clearly is what derailed them in this game because they just were not able to get any flow together. And the game was there in the first half. The Colts got that one touchdown, but, you know, Adafa Owe makes a very nice play, I, I think, to prevent what might have been 14 nothing at the very least 10 nothing. Uh, to strip sack Wentz, um, and, and like you, you had the opportunity. The, it was there for the first half. They finally get down near the red zone, stall out, and you know they go in the half ten three. But if they get anything in the going on the ground, I think like they're leading this game at halftime. I think and like you don't need to fall in a twenty two three hole. It wasn't until more or less they abandoned the run entirely. Uh, and the run was, hey, Lamar, scramble when <laughs> when nothing's there. Um, you know, that's when they really started chugging in the second half. Uh, I mean, and I, it was brilliant to watch. It was amazing. But obviously that's not, you know, totally sustainable. You need to run the ball a little bit. And these are issues I don't really know that are things that can really be solved in season at this point. The Colts at score on the... I guess second play from scrimmage coming out of halftime make it sixteen to three, and that's as as Tim mentioned. That's when they the playbook essentially got cut in half, and it was time to let Lamar turn. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word track meet, but obviously he was throwing the ball. But I mean more put the ball in Lamar's hands, have you know run around back there, find open receivers. Had he then and by doing that it sort of changed the Colts defensive game plan where now instead of a game where it was all in the box all of a sudden everything is stretched out and they had to chase him all on many many dropbacks the Ravens then go on a 13 play drive a five play drive a six play drive an 11 play drive they march down the field on all of those possessions and then in overtime I should add another 10 play drive 
And I think after a few of those, the defense for the Colts really got gassed, uh, and that made everything a little bit easier. Receivers are open. Backs coming out of the backfield are open. Lamar's finding lanes to get to get big chunks. And the off- now the offense is clicking and scoring points and uh, ends up with 31 points in a game where in the first half it looked like they couldn't get, couldn't get 10 yards. Um, Tim, we've been talking about purgatory on this podcast, as one would. Obviously, it's a football podcast, so why not? Uh, gotta give out some, some props to some playmakers who showed up in a game where they needed to. Uh, I'm going to assume that Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown are not in any of the rings of purgatory. So where where, would, where are you putting them now? Are they all are they in heaven? Are they in uh, uh, like an oasis? Uh, where how high have these two guys gone uh, in the past two days? Ah oh, man, I would say maybe they're in the the paradise that it was before Eve <laughs> ate the apple, you know, and and then gave <laughs> nice. it to Adam right there where everything was beautiful. bliss and beautiful and perfection. Yeah. They've climbed the circles of hell from Dante's Inferno and made it past purgatory and smashed through that heaven's gate. It's just St. Peter couldn't stop them at this point. Sorry for all the religious <laughs> references. All my, all my Catholic school teaching is coming out all at once. Um, what a performance from both Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Um, it's, it's very cool to see the Ravens have players that clearly are – well, maybe not, and I'm knocking on all the wood as I say this, except it's an audio medium, so I wouldn't want to do that to your ears, dear listener. But there's something to be said about a team that was, or players that are committed to improving themselves after vital mistakes, which both of them had early on in the season. You know, Hollywood's being the most notable. Mark Andrews had some uh, a very bad drop against Vegas that le- that helped lead to the loss, in my opinion. And... You know, if you want to look at it negative, it, it, it did become a Lamar look at look at Mark Andrews game, look at Mark Andrews game, look at Mark Andrews game. But they couldn't stop him. And it was one of those where Lamar would sit in the pocket. I thought the offensive line did pretty good in pass protection. They had plenty of time to do that as well. And they would find holes in the defense and get open. Hollywood especially. I mean, on the on the game winning touchdown, I think it's Darius Leonard who has him dead to rights, basically. It's a simple curl route from what I remember. And basically, Lamar's sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. He's waiting on time. And Hollywood just kind of does a little jab step out, finds a little pocket, zips the ball in there. That's not something you would have seen from him in years one and two. And he is, and I can't believe I'm saying this after all the criticism over and over and over again that I have given him, but you got to give credit where credit is due. He is the number one receiver on this football team, uh, Hollywood. And And I think he is becoming another guy that Lamar can instantly look to as well. I mean, he he's the one that scores the first touchdown. He bre- he doesn't break the game open, but he helps start the comeback with that deep route. He can beat anybody deep even though they know it's coming, but the intermediate game, the short game, the not falling down and going out or going out of bounds immediately. That it's not taking hits or whatever. He's a small guy. I don't want him to get injured. But fighting for the extra yards. The the yak as our friend Garrett, who was watching the game with us as well, said any yak is good yak from Hollywood. And he is really providing that as well. And then, I mean, the, the catch that Mark Andrews made when he got walloped by that de- the defensive player. I can't remember if it was a linebacker or a defensive back. So one-handed, knocks him over. I mean, th- those are the type of plays you have to make, especially when 
basically everything's on your quarterback and good for both of them to step up. So yeah, no more purgatory, no more seven layers of hell. They're, they're in paradise right now. Just don't eat the apples. I believe so. Tim, you mentioned that player. I believe that was Xavier Rhodes who got knocked out and that's really kind of yes, really for that's right. The Colts when this game changed, uh, Antonio, you mentioned those drives. Uh, the last four touchdown drives for the Ravens, um, or the last four drives for the Ravens, they didn't even face a third down on any of those. It was just so impressive, like just motoring down the field. And like uh, Tim just said, I mean, Hollywood and Mark Andrews, such critical pieces. Andrews had 11 catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns, and both of the two-point conversions that were necessary after a, a series of shenanigans we'll probably delve more into it in a minute but uh and, and for him you know emotional game he uh announced kind of after afterwards um his grandmother had passed away this past week um so he wanted to dedicate this game to her and he got in the end zone uh for the first time this season not once but four times two official touchdowns two two-point conversions and then yeah hollywood nine catches 125 yards two touchdowns he's up to five touchdowns of the season still in the top 10 in receiving yards something i'll be following all season i would love to know the last time a ravens receiver was top 10 receiving yards um is this the year we do it well we shall see with hollywood but just a tremendous performance from them and obviously you know with rashad bateman their first round pick has yet to take the field they're uh Andrews and Hollywood are the guys. They're the playmakers, and they really, really came through in a big way and helped Lamar to, you know, his best game of his career, I would say. The Ravens, the the last thing that I want to talk about with Lamar, and then we can talk about defense and just sort of how this game went. Uh, <laughs> the Ravens' first drive of the second half is the fateful, we're down 13 Time to make something happen. 13-play drive. First and goal from the one-yard line. And Lamar Jackson does the uh, the old half-reach while getting tackled, while there's no chance to actually get to the goal line, just take the minus one yard. Fumbles. The Colts return it for a touchdown, but wait, it was a forward lateral. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. They still score, the Colts do, uh, on their ensuing possession, so that kind of makes that a moot point. It's 22-3. to uh, The stress levels are rising. But the Colts, a couple of mistakes that we need to talk about here. Uh, miss an extra point. They have a field goal blocked by Calais Campbell. They miss another field goal late in this game. Uh, a, a win, you know, and these are the type of games where when you have an amazing comeback, everything has to go right, including the team that's ahead making a bunch of mistakes in this game. And boy, did the Colts help the Ravens. Even the Carson Wentz fumble early in this game when they're driving, as, as Jace mentioned. I mean, you want are these Colt mistakes? What? What? <laughs> how do you take this moving forward? Did the, did the Ravens take this game did the Colts give it to the Ravens yes a little call that called me <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Rodrigo Blankenship the Colts kicker apparently I don't know if this was during the game it was not clear if he entered the game with an injury at some point he suffered a hip injury that was clearly impacting his performance um the nonsense started we kind of glossed over it but started at the end of the first half when the punter came out to kick the field goal that was strange. Of course, uh, 
Naheem Hines, the running back's the holder, since the punter is normally the holder, and now he's kicking the field goal. Marlon Humphrey, of course, jumps offside and then out trots Rodrigo and he hits the field goal. Whatever, it's 10-3. And this is about then, the this is about the seventh time that Jace is saying, on to LA. This game is over. I'm tired of this. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, you mentioned Antonio. Once the Lamar play happens, you're like, oh, that's just this kind of night. So it made everything else that happened afterwards just surreal and incredible. But, yeah, I mean, some questionable decisions in hindsight. If the Colts knew Blankenship was hurt to keep trotting him out for field goals, especially, you know, I mean, I guess at the end of regulation, you don't really have a choice. Uh, that's kind of the move to try to kick the field goal there once you got as much yards as you could. But yeah, I mean, they obviously horrible blocking on the Calais Campbell block. He kind of just slipped in and the biggest guy on the field uh, with a huge mistake. So obviously I think, I think it's a little, as you said, a column A, column B Ravens executed tremendously. They got literally all the points, all the two point conversions, literally everything they needed to do. They did on offense. And then, but from the Colts side of things, yeah, I think you could also say they blew it um, just with some of their decisions. The decision to kind of, they were pretty conservative in the lead up to the kick that got blocked. That was a short field goal. Um, and he, he they ran it just kind of into the line a few times. Calais Campbell made another big play to set up the, the field goal initially. But yeah, you kind of scratch your head if you knew your kicker's hurt that you keep setting him out there and he keeps missing at critical junctures that kind of seems like a little bit of a coaching issue um to me but you know credit the ravens they took advantage of uh the colts and i guess the other reason why i say it's a little on the colts too or or, or really on blankenship and frank reich probably even more so because it ultimately comes back to him is just the ravens defense really didn't have answers for the colts like as you said like they lucked out with these missed kicks and blocks but, like, they kept getting in field goal position because the Ravens' defense just had so little answers. In this whole game, really, but especially in the second half, um, that I, if you're a Colts fan, you just have to be sick because your offense had it. They had over 500 yards as well. Carson Wentz had a career-high 400 yards in this game, and you lose the game. You can't be losing a game where Carson Wentz has a career-high 400 passing yards. Like... So that yeah, I, I they have to be kicking themselves. Darius Leonard called it the uh, the worst uh, defeat of his NFL career uh, after the game. So it, it's just one of those you, you collapse. It's a little both. Takes a great comeback, a great collapse to make to make magic happen. <laughs> and don't forget they had a ton of injuries too, because Brian Greasy wanted to tell you about all the injuries <laughs> they had. And don't forget about the injuries. There was definitely a lot of injuries, even though you're talking about a Ravens team that basically has. I don't know, half their starters in the IR at this point, it seems like. But no, no, no. There was a ton of injuries, and Lamar Jackson's performance when they went back to him after SportsCenter, SVP, love him, Terp legend, goes back to the boys in the booth, and Steve Levy does his thing. And let's throw it to Brian Greasy. Brian, great performance by Lamar Jackson on Monday night. Yes, Steve, you can't forget everybody was injured, you incompetent moron. I just We have a new Dan Fouts, ladies and gentlemen, so I hope I never <laughs> have to listen to him again. And the only reason the volume was still on is because I had guests over. It would have been off and I would have been listening to podcasts or something watching that game because I couldn't do it anymore. All that being said, I think if you're a Colts fan, like Jay said, you're sick to your stomach and I don't need to rehash everything his said or that Jay said, but for me, it's Frank Reich is supposed to be a risk taker guy. Like he's supposed to be an analytics guy. He's supposed to be one of these dudes that, you know, 
has creative play calls. And when your kicker's hurt and your offense is basically moving the ball at will because of the issues with the Ravens defense that we'll get into here in just a second, some of the decisions that that Jace just mentioned as well boggle my mind. And yeah, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm sick to my stomach and I am much like the Dolphins fans with Brian Flores. I might be starting to question this guy who was supposed to be a lock of a great coach. Let's turn to to the Ravens defensively. Uh, some good things. I mean, Carson. It's funny, Carson Wentz. He had a good game. He set a career high. Jace with passing yards. Still had the Carson Wentz suite of errors. Still had the strip sack. Uh, still had just holding on to the ball a few, uh, hold on to the ball for a bit too long on multiple sacks. Had the uh, take a deep shot while getting hit, and the ball ends up being a floater. Uh, does he throws an interception on the two point conversion attempt to to Chuck Clark? But the Ravens certainly uh, didn't take advantage of every situation defensively, and I mentioned the take a deep shot while getting hit and having the ball float because that's one of the bigger defensive errors of this game where Anthony Averett just doesn't turn. Uh, and if he does turn, that ball's in the air for 10 seconds. Instead, he does the classic just crash into the receiver who has to stop for the ball to come to them and it becomes a blatant offensive pass interfer- or defensive pass interference. That still ends up in a catch and a touchdown. Uh, we talked about the the Humphrey mistake on special teams, and then the tackling is still a disaster. Multiple big play scores that the Colts were able to get. What do we What do we do with this defense against a, a you know fine offense? Not not a juggernaut by any means. Not a ton of playmakers on the outside. What's wrong with this team outside of literally OA and maybe Calais Campbell here or there? An ugly game defensively, a bad game for Humphrey. Averett had a bad game overall after looking really strong in the first month. Uh, what do you guys make of, of this defensive performance? Yeah, I mean, if we just go through some of the individual players here, if you want to start in the secondary, for me, yeah, Averett, Averett, sorry, I always say Averett, Averett, Anthony Averett had a horrific performance. It was last season, Anthony Averett, after everything we'd heard is he had like the – given up the lowest passer rating in the league and all this stuff. And being that second corner, the guy they're going to pick on when they don't pick on Marlon, I thought he was horrendous. And when you go to like the, the stats here on ESPN, the box score, the fact that Brandon Stevens and Anthony Averett are the two leading tacklers tells you that guys were getting through all the time. Um, I thought it was interesting that Patrick Queen was limited in terms of snaps. Um, there were, and this comes from, and I will credit him here, King Moose on Twitter at Yoshi2052. He is a big like data NFL data guy. I saw somebody else uh, quote this. James Ogden from the NFL UK podcast, actually. So shout out to him. Uh, there were 19 snaps that Queen was not on the field for. They were all in dime formation. If you don't know what dime formation is, it's the one that Patrick Queen is supposed to be out there for because it is all the defensive backs, all the speed guys, your pass rushers, what have you. Um, we don't have to go on and on about Patrick Queen. I thought some of his tackling was horrendous again. Um, Malik Harrison is too slow. He can hit somebody. At least he can tackle, but he just doesn't get there in time. And then the defensive line, I thought there was a lot of penetration. It seemed like a lot of moving forward, but not reading their gaps, not hitting the holes where they had to. And 
you know, there, there was just too many plays where you saw Calais Campbell, you saw Justin Matabuka get in the backfield, but that was kind of designed and they knew what they were doing. The ceiling, the ceiling of the edge of the outside runs was horrendous. I mean, it, the defense was horrible. Um, I thought the two guys that stood out, and this is not news to anybody here, uh, Adafi Owe was, continues to show that I don't think this season, but maybe down the line is going to be a wrecking ball by himself. And seeing as Orlando Brown is doing in Kansas City, I think we can already say the Ravens might have won that deal. Um, for his sack, for the strip sack, this comes from Next Gen Stats. He had a .49 second get off. When the ball was snapped, it took him less than a half a second to get off the line. And then to get to Carson Wentz, it was 2.34 seconds. It was the third fastest sack in the NFL this season. If that guy can continue to do that and then learn how to actually play football at the NFL level, he is going to be a force. And I'll say it now, the best pass rusher this team has had since Terrell Suggs. Um, It's looking like that. And he's on that trajectory as well. Um, I thought Tavon Young was great. And I think I think a, a solid tackler as well, which is always nice to see. Um, a guy who, for a little guy, was sticking his nose in there and wrapping up, my lord, play rugby, use your arms. This is how we do this. Uh, you know, with all that, we do have to mention... Jack Doyle is a dirty player, and it, it was it was an SOB move. It was a cheap, cheap move to shove a guy's helmet into the ground. You should never be doing it. But both can be true because the guy retaliating because refs are dumb, and they're dumber than they've ever been, and they always want to make it about themselves, and they're stupid, and they're dumb, and they're even more dumb than I'm saying they are. I'm trying to really emphasize how stupid they are, are going to call it on the retaliating guy every single time. So you can't do it. But emotions got the better of him, and thank God, you know, Blankenship's hip was hurting uh, because it, it ended up not costing him. And, you know, you, you hopefully you turn it into a Hollywood thing where it's vital mistakes that end up not costing you. Hopefully you learn from it and prove. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I, I, I'm i so glad that didn't end up costing them the game because I, I agree with you. I thought basically Tavon Young outside of maybe OA was, I think, easily their best defensive player. Yep. The thing that concerns me more, just big picture with the defense, is, well, I guess in some sense we perhaps underrated how great Marcus Peters is, or at the very least how important he is, because what concerns me is that really aside from him, and obviously Derek Wolf's been hurt all year, and he, he was he was a big part of what they did last year, but like aside from Marcus Peters, this is almost exactly the same team as last year's defense, and... They have gotten so much worse that, you know, at some point, like, you can't, like, Marcus Peters is not coming back this year. So you have to find something. Like, he's a great player. He covered out, he clearly was covering up for a lot of the issues they might have had on the back end. And we probably didn't appreciate that enough. But at a certain point, it has to come back to Wink. This team's 24th in yards per game um, right now. They're, and they're 28th against the pass. That is just not gonna win you anything in in this league and as you, you guys said i was disappointed uh in not i guess in anthony avert but just more in his performance and it was disappointing to see just because he had been so good and you thought oh he's just an emerging piece and then once just picked they just picked on him again and again it was clear they were barely throwing to humphrey's guy ever they had a plan and it was just attack avert's guy as you said antonio 
I think he he turns around, he probably picks that ball because Wentz is like halfway down, falling backwards by the time he throws that. And it, the only reason it went as far as it did is he has a strong arm, but he had no idea <laughs> if that was going to get there or not. And it, that should have been a pick. And it, we saw that last year too. They didn't make plays on some of these dumb Wentz throws that he serves up there. But I, I don't... <sighs> Um, they have to start like we were t- talking like with Averett, like something has to come from the DC when a one guy is just getting burned that bad because like frankly they don't have other personnel options especially this game Sean Elliott's still out um, so <laughs> it, it it just has to come out to coaching basically because yeah your 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 personnel is is what it is at this point and it sucks it sucks that Marcus Peters got hurt. But you have to adapt, and they've been really bad at it. And just some of the other things, like like the Jonathan Taylor touchdown run, where they just seem completely unprepared for the ball to be snapped. Like, the Colts, like, ran a toss, and, like, he just kind of waltzed his way to the end zone. Like, the line was getting blown up at times in the run game. And this is a Colts line without Quentin Nelson. It was just really disappointing, and... Very worrisome, uh, obviously, for any uh, long-term, you know, playoff success this team hopes to have. Uh, yeah, or next week, as we'll get into. The Colts in this game did not punt in the second half. <laughs> Had a lead at halftime, didn't punt in the second half, still end up losing. That says a little bit about what the Colts did and what the Ravens did defensively. Uh and just a couple of miracles, really. A blocked field goal, uh, a missed winnable, yeah, makeable field goal. The 47, uh, let me confirm this, yeah, the 47-yarder that the Colts had to, to take this game in regulation. <laughs> and you survive and you move on. And the Ravens are now 4-1. and one. And uh, in first place in the AFC North, it's it's so hard, it's so stressful, these aren't the hard games that they come later in the season for the most part outside of the Chiefs win. And, uh, you know, maybe there are some concerns for, for the second half of this season. But for now, it's a win and the Ravens rolling. Uh, winners of their last four games. Uh, anything else about this game, guys, before we turn to uh, the NFL? I have one more thing. And it is a special feature that we used to run on the college radio station or show. On WMUC, shout out WMUC, College Parks, college radio station, the number one sports station at the University of Maryland. Uh, Shout out Terps. And it was called Ed Reed Tweets. Now, Ed Reed as a player, and then right after his career, I guess with the Ravens ended as well, loved tweeting nonsense. And you can call it being hit in the head one too many times. You can call it Ed just being Ed, which I prefer. Uh... He loved tweeting stuff that we loved reading. And Ed (laughs) decided to live tweet last night. And there's only four of them here. But what we used to do was just read these and laugh. And that's what we're going to do right now. So I hope you enjoy it as much as we uh, we do. If not, then this is a joke for the three of us. And you know what? Skip (laughs) skip ahead 30 seconds. We were were really good at naming things back then, too. That we were just super creative with how we named these uh, segments. Ed Reed tweets. I mean, it it rolls off the tongue. I'm going to count that anyway. So let's start. the point across. Let's start with the first one, and I'll, if I can pull it up here and just wait for the time. Uh, this is 10.20, so this is later into the game, and this is where it starts, and we'll just go from here. Uh, very simple from Ed here. He just goes, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what we're referencing here, but it's just, oh, no. 
Then my something bad happened to the Ravens. Yeah. Perhaps Lamar's fumble. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Lamar's fumble. Uh, then we're going to go to my personal favorite, and that is defense fight. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. What, what's what's the timestamp on that one? Uh, the timestamp here, and I will tell you, my internet is being incredibly slow as we go. Oh. That's 1021. That is a minute after, oh no, that it's defense fight. So I, that's second half, which means the defense did not fight in response to that tweet. Probably gave up a score or yards. But knowing Ed, that could have meant literally get into fisticuffs. I'm not sure what it actually meant from Ed, but it went, oh no, defense fight. Uh, yeah, as you said, the, the, the days of Ray Lewis and Haloti Nada, who congrats to him, was inducted into the ring of honor and, and Ed himself uh, were clearly not present uh, on Monday night. Then we get yeah, Kane with the hands emoji, which is obviously for Calais Campbell blocking the field goal, which I have to love uh, A Miami hurricane. Yes. Miami. For those hurricane. of us who, uh, for the, uh, yeah, the, maybe the, uh, the, the UK uh, listeners. Who Great call. Into, yeah. As well, college football, <laughs> the university of Miami hurricanes, uh, they put up the U all that fun stuff. Obviously where Ed Reed, Ray Lewis and Calais Campbell went amongst others. Uh, here's one. It's football. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else for you. It's just, it's football. Uh, maybe that was another Lamar Jackson play. And then my personal favorite game <laughs> game. No blouses. No, what a play by Hollywood. You might not even know who Hollywood is just simply game short and sweet. Poetic as always from Ed Reed. And trust me, I will be paying attention. This will not be a weekly feature, but anytime Ed is tweeting about the Ravens, we're going to bring it up here on a new feature that's slightly older called Ed Reed Tweets. Uh, I feel like normally, or not normally, but is it more often that these come out for the primetime games, Tim, or is, uh, is it really just he just comes out onto Twitter, random games, and, uh, and starts rolling? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. It doesn't. Really, I don't know. It's his Twitter is kind of all over the place here. I mean, if we're if we're gonna dive deeper, and we might as well. So they have uh, a, in the new Madden mode, they can do Campus Legends, where you can play as like all the best Miami Hurricanes, and obviously Ed Reed is on there, one of the greatest safeties of all time. Uh, he goes, I guess he didn't like his rating because he goes, check my resume, and there is a period on the end of this one, unlike most of the tweets. And then here we go. So y'all building a safety for Madden out here, laughing emoji. Attributes, athleticism, instincts, sideline to sideline, mentality, ha ha ha, and walked over milk crates, get real jobs. So this is at the height of the milk crate sensation that was rocking the nation. And uh, apparently Ed Reed was not a fan of it, as he shouldn't be because it was very dangerous. And um, that's pretty much it. Oh, no. Sorry, there's one more here. I'm doing this live, and then we'll end it here because this has gone on too long now. After I retired, this is September 28th, by the way. After I retired, I was asked to play point guard. Yep, yep, in the NBA. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's no other context to that, but that that definitely is true. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> happened. 100. percent The true. NBA is famously looking for. Uh, 33 to 34 year old first time point guards. <laughs> it's we've we have talked about this i don't know on the podcast but certainly in person uh it's just i would have loved to have lamar and one of those defensive guys at the same time that what mm. ed 
Ray, Suggs, just just somebody to be paired. Just all the Super Bowls, if you are able to overlap the talent offensively and defensively. But that's not how the world how the world works. Uh, I could I could imagine Ed Reed on this defense flying around with all the throws that happen nowadays. Think of all the interceptions. Did, 12 to 12 to 15 every season if they even threw it his direction but yeah that that was fantastic Tim poetic is the word for uh the series of of in-game in-game Ed Reed tweets uh Jace anything else from uh from this game before we go to the NFL no I think uh I think if you didn't uh get the full summary from those Ed tweets like <laughs> we, we well, can't sum it up yeah, any what was there left out from that <laughs> <laughs> all right well we turn now to the NFL, and the first thing that we we should talk about, if you have been living, you know, in on Earth, basically, you've heard this story already, but uh, we do want to touch on it briefly. It broke as the Ravens game was happening, and this is the resignation of John Gruden as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders um, through a investigation into Washington football team's uh, misconduct, layers of misconduct. Uh, they found emails that Gruden had sent that were misogynistic, homophobic, racist, just all the words, all the bad ones, basically. Just every email had all the bad things in it, uh, and he resigned basically within half an hour of the New York Times breaking this story of, of finding these these series of emails. And, uh, and that's pretty much it for Gruden. Brought on for, for, with a, the famous 10-year contract, convinced him to leave. I think he was at ESPN at the time, convinced him to leave the Monday Night Football booth and come back to coaching. And on, for, you know, from a X's and O's standpoint, I guess, had done a pretty good job of slowly turning the team around. They were just, you know, certainly more stability on the football side of things, but obviously... Uh, disastrous issues uh, behind the scenes and the Raiders move on now with an interim head coach for the rest of the season it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound from this but uh, if any of you have any thoughts uh, that you want to touch uh, touch on please jump in here with Gruden uh, resigning as of Monday night I mean it's just embarrassing and like I I, I'm glad we're getting to a spot in the world now where we know what is acceptable and what is not in terms of saying things that, you know, we can all admit it 10 years ago, we might've thought would have been acceptable to say, but now we realize, and now people, you know, most people anyway, I like to be more aware and learn what offends people and what doesn't and what actually hurts people in very deep and dark ways that, you know, because we might be fortunate to not have that, we don't understand that pain that somebody goes through, whether it's, you know, like Carl, the, the whole thing for me is that you just cannot be a leader of a diverse locker room, whether it's, you know, race, color, creed, sexuality, religion, whatever it is, and be speaking like that to other representatives from the league. And then to do it in an email Frankly, it's just stupid. I mean, the, you should obviously never be doing it anyway. The fact that he put all of this in an email meant that he really thought it was okay. Um, and, and then it makes it even worse. You know, obviously, Carl Nassib is the first openly gay player. And I believe right now, it's still the only 
openly gay player in the National Football League, and he is on the Raiders. And, you know, how must he feel after hearing all this stuff? So, you know, Gruden, there was no other way to go after this. And I think they made the right call, and he resigned, quote-unquote. But, yeah, they obviously pushed his hand out here. The Buck, uh, as we record this, actually, the Buccaneers have came out and said they're removing him from the Ring of Honor, which, frankly, I think is the right call as well. Um, it's embarrassing as a fan of the National Football League, uh, even just as somebody on that much of a tertiary level, it's unacceptable, and hopefully, God willing, we're getting to a place where we can recognize, be nice to people, and know what hurts people in certain ways, and maybe don't use that type of language. So the only thing we can hope now is that that's starting to improve. The other thing I will say, Jace, too, before, if you have anything else, is that the thing that's scary about the entire thing is Gruden's not the only one. We know that, and... Maybe the whole resignation thing was he was able to get a little bit of a payoff so other names couldn't come out. Who knows? But, you know, I don't know if this is going to go away if they decide to dive uh, deeper into it, but we'll just kind of have to see uh, as it goes. Yeah, the the shining thing for me was just sort of how quickly this all sort of developed and then kind of, you know, it went from like one email uh, being kind of talked about and released and then him resigning like four days later basically um but it'll you know from a football perspective it'll be interesting to see like what the raiders do the rest of this year it's certainly one of the more surprising shocking developments i'd say in recent certainly nfl head coaching news i feel like recently um uh, well on the heels of the urban meyer uh debacle oh. i suppose you can call it but uh not been a better uh few weeks for nfl head coaches but yeah like to, to what you guys have said like just on the field like the raiders did look like they were turning the corner they're in their their new home the first season with fans and you know for the players sake you hope it doesn't all completely fall apart on them and you just kind of have a wasted year where now you're you're already playing out the string, uh, you know, and after week five through no real fault of your own. But, uh, you know, it's a classic franchise that's been wayward for a very long time and it just has, you know, this is a massive reset once again. And so just seeing how they kind of develop out of that um, is important for them, obviously, and then just the league as a whole because the Raiders are always on prime time and stuff. So, um yeah, it's a shocking development, crazy, and Tim made very, very great points about uh, the context and content of the emails and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's really all. For football, it'll just be very fascinating to see how the rest of the season unfolds for the Raiders. The Raiders started 3-0, and losers of their last two games. So, yeah, we'll see if they uh, turn this 3-2 and into... Uh, a potential playoff run, wild card run, if they can stay uh, stay the course, or, or as as Jace mentioned, if it falls off, uh, with an obviously difficult situation for the players and uh, difficult situation for the, the interim head coach and, and the coaching staff as a whole. Elsewhere in the NFL, we want to talk also about the AFC North with uh, a couple of interesting results here. The Steelers bouncing back, uh, maybe against not the stiffest competition in the NFL. The Browns just offering us a nice taste of how good the Chargers are and how explosive the Chargers can be. The Browns lose on the road in an absolute shootout. And then the Bengals keeping it. We talked about this. We knew it. 
said we knew it the whole time that this game was going to be annoyingly close because the line at three and a half was too easy for Green Bay. Uh, of course, the game should have been won by Green Bay earlier. There were five missed field goals between these two teams, <laughs> only in the fourth quarter and overtime. It was basically just you. You want to win this game? No, 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 no. Do you want to? Do you want to take it? No, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You take it. You take it. And that happened back to back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The Bengals do end up losing finally in overtime by three. Uh, what performance from the uh, AFC North? rivals got your attention this weekend guys just what a strange division this is they're always up to something the one that really jumps out and we'll get more into the other side of the ball but the browns managing to somehow lose that game they became the first team in nfl history uh i believe was it 500 yards 400 yards and 40 points no turnovers and lose the game um so it, it was it was a historic performance they did something literally no nfl team had uh had ever done before, which is very, very Browns. Um, I still think they're mostly good, <laughs> but uh, Nick Chubb's terrifying. Kareem Hunt, that one too. The Browns have the breast rushing combo in the NFL, but we'll get more into the Chargers. The Chargers have a really good quarterback uh, and some very good weapons. And uh, despite yeah, Cleveland's historic uh, yeah, 500-yard um 531 yards, no turnovers, scored 40 points, lost the game. First time to ever do that. It's very Browns. They lose 47-42 for the second consecutive year. The only 47-42 scores in NFL history. Also very Browns. Um, And we thank them for it because now the Ravens are in first place in the AFC North. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get more into the Chargers here in just a second. Joe Burrow can play football. They still can't protect him. Uh, but in a weird way, it looks like the Jamar Chase pick worked out. You know, if Burrow has to go to the hospital with a throat contusion every game, maybe <laughs> not. But um, Bengals, Bengals are feisty, man. This is no longer the walkover them that they were the past couple of years. Um, so that's interesting. And then for me, and I told you guys this in confidence, but I will say it to the lovely listeners here at Pod Like a Raven. Never let me tell you the Broncos are good again. I'm out. I'm out on the Broncos. I've wanted to be in on the Broncos for so long. I've talked about how good I thought they were. I've talked about, you know, their defense and Teddy will be fine. Look at all the weapons they have. And for whatever reason, it's just not figured out. And they allowed the Steelers to kind of get, get back in rhythm a little bit, which is also, you know, just incredibly annoying. Yeah, the first 100-yard uh, game for Najee Harris in the NFL uh, after uh, several weeks of slamming into the line for 40 yards. <laughs> he, he finally kind of busted loose a little bit in this one. Steelers still had a chance to blow it at the very end, and I still think they're not very good. But, uh, yeah, the Broncos can't score against good teams. <laughs> and that's a problem in the league. The Ravens, 4-1, first place in the AFC North, racking up these early season wins that we know will be extremely important if they want to hang on to the North title as we get into November and December. Elsewhere in the NFL, premier matchup, Bills, Chiefs in Kansas City, and the Bills kept on rolling. They are, at the moment, just clear AFC, uh, the AFC favorite to go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Arizona, five 
and O, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And I, I said this last year a couple times when it happened, and I would just sort of get annoyed more and more, and it was the Brady throwing four touchdowns, Brady throws five touchdowns, and at the time he was, what, 42? And now he's 43, and he threw five touchdowns this weekend, got the Buccaneers offense back on track after an ugly performance uh, in, uh, in that New England game. What are your uh, top points from the NFL this weekend, guys? Is it the Chief, how bad these Chiefs are, who they now fall to uh, to two and three here after all the stories of, of Pat Mahomes can't be touched in September? They've now lost three games as we get into middle mid October here. Yeah, I think that's the story of this weekend. And you know, some people were picking the Bills going into this game. I still kind of thought the Chiefs would figure it out, but pretty much from the jump, the Bills kind of took control of the game in many respects and the Chiefs defense is really bad um but Mahomes has been uncharacteristically sloppy for him he's already uh, matched his interception total from each of the last two seasons he had five I believe in 2019 six interceptions last year and he's already thrown six now he does have he does lead the NFL with 16 touchdown passes so there's that but he he was sloppy. He threw a pick six in this game. That kind of was the the more or less the nail in the coffin uh, coming out of a extended halftime break thanks to a weather delay in the Kansas City area. Um, but I was really impressed with the Bills, which stinks because obviously they uh, seem to have the inside track now at the one seed in the AFC. Um, when we were watching this game together, uh, the Monday night game, we kind of took a look at the Bills' schedule. It is not that hard, um, and. I, their defense, I think, has improved from last year. I was really, really impressed with the Bills watching that game uh, Sunday night. And then, to your point, it's very frustrating that Tom Brady's still this good. Uh, I, you actually sold him a year short. He's 44 now. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he currently leads the NFL in passing yards and is right behind Patrick Mahomes for touchdown passes uh, with 15. So, um, yeah, that's weird. The 44-year-old guy leads the NFL in passing yards, but... Uh, while guys younger than him, like Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan, seem to be stumbling towards the close of uh close of their careers, uh, yeah, Tom Brady seems like he's guiding a team that could very much win the Super Bowl again if they get their uh defense sorted out at all. So I hate it. It's he's still good. <laughs> it's only marginally less annoying than when he was with the Patriots, but uh, yeah, it's Tom Brady. It's what, not what great. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it before, but just like the Broncos, the Dolphins are way worse than I thought they would be, and I think some of that might fall on Brian Flores. Obviously no Tua, but does would that even really make a difference? Who knows at this point? Um, my story of the week that, was that I was stuck in a 10-hour car ride back from Rhode Island because of Shout Out Southwest, but God bless NFL Red Zone. We watched seven hours of commercial-free football on an iPad, so... It helped a little bit getting through the mess that was the trip back home uh, this weekend. But outside of everything else you said, the only other one I have is that the Texans almost beat the Pats and Davis Mills <laughs> looked okay. And Mac Jones is the king of the check down. Like it, it just that Pats team, I think everybody wanted to be, oh no, here comes Belichick again, yada, yada, yada. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Mac's good, guys. I don't know. I have to see more, but outside of everything we said and, you know, the AFC North, I think clearly had the, the best games this weekend or were involved in a lot of the top games. So not much, too much else to take away from the rest of the National Football League. 
it is so reassuring to have a Patriots team. I mean, if we can't have Tom Brady just retire, <laughs> at least it's nice to have the Patriots just be so mediocre, uh, at least through f- five games this season. All right, with that, we're going to turn now to the random Raven before we preview the Ravens-Chargers game. And I am up, so I have a player that I said in the, uh, I was about to say in the pregame, but in the pre-record, uh, I said that my co-hosts were either going to be fascinated by this random Raven or just really annoyed at me at who I, at who I chose. So <laughs> here we go. Um, this random Raven was an undrafted free agent out of Univers- the University of Louisiana Monroe, the football football powerhouse. <laughs> he signed with Baltimore in 2000, spent a year on the practice squad before earning a spot on the active roster in 2001. In 55 appearances with the Ravens, including 32 starts, this player had 43 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns and 32 receptions for 179 yards. He was a dominant blocker, however, in the running game, and was also solid in pass protection. He was a key contributor in helping Jamal Lewis achieve his 2,066-yard rushing season in 2003 when he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate. He played with the Ravens from 2001 to 2005, five seasons with the team, and then did not suit up for any other franchise. And he wore the number, I was going to say he wore the same number as this player, but looking at the furrowed brows of my co-hosts, I'm just going to say it, he wore number 39 with the Baltimore Ravens. And that is my random Raven. And uh, some curious, some curious looks. I may have to add a uh, add a, a seems... clue here when I recap this at the end of the episode. But uh, what? Any thoughts, guys? You working us out? Well, this seems like a Tim one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's back Jason. <laughs> that's where I'm a little bit upset. Where I like, I should know this, but 39. I'm trying to. Th- I know, like, there is a guy for that Super Bowl team. And then I don't know where they go from there. And like the guy who helped Jamal Lewis with the two thousand yards, I, I have a guess, but I am, I'm almost a hundred percent certain it's wrong. I, I feel really, I'm disheartened right now. I really am. I might have actually just pulled it, but I also might be thinking of a different random raven we once did. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll reread those clues at the end of the episode. I'd be curious if any of the listeners get this one. So reach out to us. Uh, in one of the many possible ways over, over the interwebs, if you do get this. But now, it is time. Just like that, another opponent, another matchup that the Ravens have to play, another game that is certainly going to give us a headache for long stretches, at least. And it's Ravens at home, at the bank, hosting the Los Angeles Superchargers. Ravens, three-point favorites in this game? Uh, and we have some <laughs> questions about what the Ravens are going to be able to do defensively. So therefore, let's start with the Ravens offensively, because I don't want to deal with the defense stuff right now. The Chargers have certainly looked fantastic offensively. They've looked okay defensively in terms of the full season. But they have some issues against the run. And you look at what the Browns did uh, against them in Los Angeles this past weekend, 35 carries for 230 yards. 
the good news is this is a potential weak spot that the Ravens should, could be able to exploit. The bad news is that it was these 230 yards were gained by the best running back tandem in the NFL. So are we somewhere in between these two things? Can the Ravens get back to the old 200 yards on the ground, five yards a carry, long drives that end in six points? Uh, or are we going to be somewhere with this new new hybrid offense that we have with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think it'll be somewhere in the middle like we talked about. I think some of the line issues will still be there. Like you said, the Chargers currently ranked 32nd against the run. So literally no one stops the run worse than the NFL currently than these Chargers. So that's a positive. Um, I have to think they'll do a little better than the Colts, and I hope that at least helps achieve a small level of balance because I do think it's important to keep the ball out of Justin Herbert's hand as much as we can, uh, limit his uh, possessions. Um, and, yeah, I, so I um, I certainly hope they find a little more success and don't find themselves you know, needing to abandon the run because that's when I think the Chargers can hurt you a bit. Joey Bosa, very good, scares me tremendously going against, honestly, either of the Ravens' current starting tackles. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, if they can find success in the run, I think it'll certainly obviously make their their lives easier on multiple fronts. But as we talked about earlier in the show, I think we just kind of have to start accepting that there's limitations to how many, like, what the Ravens can achieve with this line, with these running backs. Yeah, I think it's going to be so tough, and it's obviously this team is not, the Browns. I think Nick Chubb is far and away better than anything that we have currently in the, in the in the backfield. I think the offensive line for the Browns is stronger than what we have right now. So I would like to see them not completely abandon it, but then again, if they have to, because Justin Herbert is scoring points at a rapid rate, this might just turn into a, a Lamar show again. Even though, you know, simply everything Jay said is correct. Even though they are 32nd in the league against the run, I need to see it from this Ravens team first before I can say they're back to that road grading style that will help us win this football game. Uh, with the Chargers being literally the worst against the run, uh, prediction, small prediction time for you guys. Who on the Ravens leads the team and carries by the end of this game? Is it Lamar? Is it one of the backs? And if so, who do you think uh, ends up leading the team and carries? Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's, any, say- I don't think there's any way it's not him. I'll say they'll, for some reason, keep running Latavius Murray into the line, so it'll actually be Latavius. <laughs> Murray with 12 carries and Lamar <laughs> with 11 yeah. for four times the yardage. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then, oh my gosh, defensively, oh boy. Oh the Ravens boy. have a task ahead of them. Can they possibly, they're not going to stop Herbert. He's going to get his yards, he's going to get his completions, get his touchdowns. Can he be contained enough to where the Ravens stay close, have a lead, can pull this game out? Can the Ravens tackle Eckler at all? He is shifty, he is a bowling ball, he is powerful, and he breaks tackles left and right. I have gigantic concerns with the current stable of linebackers that this team has that none of them really sort of match up well with being able to to stop him at all. And then can anybody stick with Keenan Allen? Is this, uh, and that's not even... You know, maybe he's their best wide receiver, but he's the one that I sort of see us matching up with extremely poorly. Uh, who Who is the guy 
that that sticks with Allen throughout this game. Well, let's try Mike Williams as well. You know, Marlon's going to stick on one of them, and then Mike Williams can blow the top off the defense at any moment. Uh, he's been their big game guy or big play guy over and over and over again, and Herbert clearly has a cannon. Um, yeah, I'm concerned. Uh, I think that this is – I think if there's, if the Ravens win this game, it's in a shootout. Um, I don't think that they can come back. I don't think that there's – like the old chargers of we're going to screw this up in some miracle way. I think is not there. Uh, I think obviously with Herbert and Brandon Staley, they have completely kind of gotten rid of that moniker already uh, in this current iteration of the LA chargers. And I think if the Ravens want to win this game, it's a shootout because I have no faith in this defense to stop Justin Herbert in the offense. The only thing I will say to that is that the performance was so poor against the Colts that maybe you expect Wink to have something up his sleeve and maybe you expect him to do just enough like he did against the Chiefs, that they do barely what they need to do and maybe get a few takeaways. But, man, after that performance, I mean, yeah. You know, you guys know me listening to this podcast. I'm the pessimist here. If you're an optimist, you go, maybe they bounce back because they realize how bad it was and that kind of kicks them in the butt a bit to get going. I just don't see it. Yeah, to your point, Antonio, I'm just imagining like they do go like Marlin on Mike Williams and I'm just envisioning Keenan Allen running slants with Patrick Queen trailing three yards behind and Herbert hitting him again and again and again and again. And uh, Yeah, I'm very concerned. This team just threw 47 on a Browns defense that is like definitely better than the Ravens defense <laughs> um, this year. Uh, certainly the Browns have better, you know, they have Miles Garrett, the leading sack guy in the NFL. He was not neutralized, but, you know, Herbert's just such a special, like, I think he's just so special uh, with the way he can throw and how, how the accuracy deep. Um and he, he he's so been so impressive. I didn't think he'd be this good, honestly, coming out of Oregon. But uh, uh, yes, I'm tremendously concerned with the weapons, uh, how they match up, the quarterback. Um, they're aggressive too, the Chargers, obviously. So you like you, you probably have to stop several fourth downs, and it just gets hard, harder and harder. I think they're a good team, and I agree. I agree with Tim. The hope is, I think, a shootout, maybe. Herbert, like they've lost a game this year. They're prone to to some weird turnovers at times. They nearly lost to Washington because Herbert kept like they kept turning the ball over, like having weird stalling um, uh, in the, like the red zone. But it, it's hard to just envision what we just saw being that dramatically improved to stop what's. I think a way better offense. <laughs> um, and, and the only thing I will say, I like it in the bank. I like it at 1 PM. Uh, that's great. Um, a sense of normalcy after, I don't even think they've, yeah, they haven't actually played a 1 PM game yet this year. Right. So, um, or no, they played the lions, I guess, but yeah. So, but the first 1 PM game at home this season, after the first two are in prime time, I like that, but I, I think the Chargers just pre, uh, present too many problems offensively that the Ravens just really aren't uh, equipped to kind of solve at the moment. Got to hope that their cross-country flight just hits all the turbulence. They got to redirect. They lose a couple of bags. It's a whole mess. And that they uh, they forget the kicking for the... net like uh, the Falcons did in London or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking through the Chargers' wins. I mean, they... They've been sort of a, a darling of the NFL through five weeks, but 
beat Washington by four, lost to the Cowboys in a close game, beat the Chiefs by one score, beat the Raiders by 14, but that game was close for a long stretch. I mean, the Chargers came, went out to a, a, I think it was a 14 nothing lead, but um, maybe even 21 nothing lead in that game. Yeah, they but, got up to 21, but the but Raiders, Raiders closed it. Yeah, it was a close score, game. Yeah. And then this Browns game was another five-point game. So they've they've sort of had to scratch and claw in the vast majority, just about all of their games, to, to come up with this 4-1 record. So, I mean, there's a chance. Uh, the Ravens are favored, which I'm surprised by how high the number is. It's like Vegas hasn't been watching the Ravens' wins, and they're just looking at two 4-1 teams, and the Ravens are at home. So there's three points, but... I have I have some concerns from a from a gambling perspective, from a minus three perspective for this team. But before we get into the gambling, intangibles. Uh, we have the Chargers' new head coach Brandon Staley against John Harbaugh. This is like a matchup of uh, of like the data head coaches, the analytics head coaches, and, and Staley certainly. I guess it, in a sense was the perfect hire for this team. They they got a guy who basically just doesn't mess up. Like the two-minute drill doesn't mess up when to call timeouts or, or challenge plays or, or manage game situations. He's the aggressive guy. He's going for two right down multiple scores, which we've seen the Ravens do, do in the past, uh, even early in games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see Staley against Harbaugh in this game. In theory, a matchup of, of two of the the you know the brainiest coaches in the NFL. Uh, any other intangibles that you guys want to want to talk about, or if you want to mention uh, the two head coaches? I just have I have two quick ones. I think you nailed it on the Staley versus Harbaugh matchup. It's so weird hearing John Harbaugh as the data head still. Like it just <laughs> throws me off completely. The kicking game for the Chargers is notoriously known for being bad. And I know I talked about it before with the fact that this whole notion of Chargers gonna charger is kind of over, but uh, Tristan Vizcano, and I apologize if I'm butchering that name. I actually didn't know. I had to look up who the Chargers kicker was. He has missed only one kick this year, but he's only attempted two in the 40 to 49 range. If we can do a little bend, not break, that's where he missed. Hopefully you can, you know, maybe get some Calais Campbell in there blocking some field goals or get late, that, that swirling wind inside the bank. There you go. That late game situation <laughs> as well where, you know, Staley, who doesn't like to go for or doesn't like to kick, he's a go for it type of guy, might be forced to. Big pressure moment for a guy that isn't Justin Tucker. I mean, my lord, we saw it this weekend. We we mentioned some of the games, but it was just it was a murderer's row of kickers being crap all over the NFL this weekend. So maybe it continues here except for our 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 guy Justin Tucker, the Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. Um the only other thing I have that I think is interesting. And it's kind of the way why we love the NFL so much is the parody. Now, we're starting to get around week three, four, five when it's, this is the number one team in the NFL. And so the Los Angeles Rams go and beat the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was clearly their Super Bowl, and we all should have recognized that. But it's the Rams. No one's stopping the Rams this year. Look how good they are. Best team in the league, yada, yada, yada. They lose to the Cardinals who are undefeated and still undefeated at this time. Oh my gosh, Kyler Murray has this team flying. Cliff Kingsbury maybe is slightly competent. They have weapons all over the place. <laughs> the defense is okay. And they're the number one team in the NFL. They struggle in their following week after all this hoopla and after all this talk against a Trey Lance-led Niners team. And Trey Lance, a quarterback who clearly is not ready for the National Football League yet based on what we saw. 
Kyler gets a little dinged up. It's a struggle. It's a tough game for them afterwards. The, the Chargers, it's the same thing. They just have this massive game against the Browns. And before all the talk was about Lamar after his performance on Monday night, man, this Chargers team, could they be the best team in the NFL? Justin Herbert's playing on an MVP-like level, yada, 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 all this stuff. Are they due for a slight drop-off just because of everything you've heard? I know it's it sounds silly, but this is just the way the National Football League works. So... That would be something I'd be looking out for, too, in terms of an intangible. It has been a very strange season. Not a lot of teams outside from the Bills. A lot of point differentials very close together. A lot of narrow uh, scores. And as Antonio, you pointed out, Chargers, uh, a lot of close games. Their point differentials plus 26. The Ravens, another 4-1 and one team. Their point differentials plus 19. So these aren't teams that have been running away from uh, their competition by any means. And against the Browns, they had to come... The Chargers were down pretty big. They kind of staged a big comeback, so uh, they, you know, they could have lost that game handily. So, yeah, I, I like that point, Tim, because you, you know, you, you dig deep to pull out this incredible comeback win, and then can you travel on the road? And you know, even the best teams generally lose three or four games. So, I'm not ruling out that the Ravens could win. I just am not expecting them to. <laughs> that being fair, just quickly too, we, you say that, Jace, but we just had to pull out a massive comeback win on a short week, so maybe it goes both ways. Yes. <laughs> well, with that, guys, uh, do you want to get into your? I'm, I can do my gambling picks first. Uh, one and two last week, a very annoying one and two last week. We all talked about that Packers game. I maintain that that line was was three for the vast majority of the week, but we did quote it at three point five. Uh, three and a half so that is a loss uh, frustrating loss and then I got the Ravens uh, line wrong as well because they were seven point favorites and one by six and thus that is how gambling works one and two six and eleven on the season so I have three picks this week that are all winners and we got to get back on track running out of not running out of time but time to really get some momentum going here with a three and a week and so I'm picking against the Ravens <laughs> I'm taking the Chargers at plus three, I have been bad. I, in the past, notoriously good picking Ravens games. I have been bad this year. The Ravens are four and one. I am one and four picking them against the spread this year. Uh, I picked them to lose to the Chargers, and they win the Chargers game, of course. I picked them to blow out the Lions, and we don't really need to talk about that game, but we know what happened there. Uh, wrong with this Monday night game by one point, unfortunately, so... I think this is a situation where the Ravens just don't have the magic late. They don't have the breaks late that they got in that Lions game and that they got in this Colts game, certainly. Um, and that's okay. The Chargers are really good. The Ravens are miraculously 4-1. I'm okay with this with this loss, even at home. Uh, and the fact that the Ravens are getting three points, I think that's too many. Uh, I think this is a close game. I think this goes back and forth. But I, I don't see a situation where the Ravens are, are pulling away in any sense with, with Herbert under center against this Ravens defense. So I'm taking the Chargers at plus three. Uh, elsewhere, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys at minus four at New England. I, I hate picking uh, against New England at home. But here I am because I believe that Mac Jones is perfectly mediocre. So I'm taking the Cowboys. They've looked fantastic for the majority of the season. And four points, I think, is, is pretty low where I see them winning by, by double digits. 
And then another three-team tease. That was the one win that I had last week, so I'm just sticking with those teasers. I'm taking Tampa Bay. It's a three-team, excuse me, six-point tease. So Tampa Bay, I'm moving that line down to minus one. They are traveling to the Philadelphia Eagles. They will beat the Philadelphia Eagles by at least a point. Kansas City traveling to Washington. I'm going to move that line to minus one. I know Kansas City has struggled defensively. Heineke, to me, is the perfect solution for this Chiefs defense to figure some things out, and I just think that Washington cannot keep up with Kansas City in terms of scoring points. Moving that to minus one. And then the L.A. Rams. I'm moving that down from minus 10.5 to minus 4.5. They play the Giants this week, and the Giants are all sorts of injured uh, at the quarterback position, at the running back position, at the wide receiver position. I don't know how many points... uh, and I can't remember the backup quarterback's name for the Giants. The Glennon? Is Mike, that who it is? Mike Glennon. Right. Yeah, I, I don't envision him being able to uh, to match the Rams offensively after what we've seen from them this year. So taking the uh, the Rams line, move down to minus four and a half. And those are my three picks this week. So we line up very similar ways, Antonio. I am also picking the Chargers at plus three. Mainly, uh, I believe... Maybe I picked against the Ravens in the Chiefs game, probably. But one of the only other times I picked against the Ravens this year. I never liked doing it, but I do think the Chargers are better. and It's just a really tough spot for the Ravens. Short week, great team. Um, With the flaws we discussed. Uh, I am also taking the Dallas Cowboys at minus four. I uh, think it's weird for the Dallas Cowboys to somehow be under the radar, but I think they are. <laughs> like, they haven't really been a dominant story this year, but they've been really good. They've been blowing teams out. Trevon Diggs has uh, six interceptions already, taking the kind of inside track to Defensive Player of the Year uh, with the start he's gotten off to. Um, and then we mentioned this uh, story earlier. Um I'm taking the Raiders plus 3.5 at the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos should not be favored over any team with a winning record. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it'll go smoothly, but I think the Raiders are still competent, and I think they can throw uh, a game plan enough together on the fly that they can get a win in Denver against a Denver team that's really struggled against the better teams they played. You know, they get those three wins against the Jags, the Jets, and the uh, the Giants, and it turns out those three teams might be three of the, like the five or six worst teams in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I'm picking the Raiders as a, a three and a half point underdog in the wake of all the Gruden stuff. I think uh, you know value play perhaps, but uh, it was a line that jumped out to me. I didn't like the lines this week, so <laughs> going with the Raiders is my final pick. Yeah, so I went I went one and four last week. Uh, the only bet I won was the indie game because I bet against the Ravens, but I did say they would win. It would just be close. So I've been actually doing okay this year on my own. And this is, I know this is a sin amongst gamblers because when I'm hot, I shouldn't be mentioning it because it is about to tank, but I've been picking games against the spread by myself just for my own pleasure. And now I'm just going to bring it to the pod like a Raven fold. And we're not going to do the whole thing here, but in week five, I went nine and four with the games that I picked, and I'm forty-two and thirty-one on the season, which ain't bad. Which means it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket here very soon. Marcus Peters and Mark Andrews were out. Tim is going in this week. It's Chargers plus three. I mean, they're—I think they're the better team, and they're—they're they're the underdog here. So I'm taking the points. I'm taking Buffalo minus five and a half. It's Monday night. It's against Tennessee. I know it's Derrick Henry. 
But that just seems like Buffalo is rolling the teams they should roll, and I think they're going to roll Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is that good. And I'm going against you guys on Dallas, and it's stupid. I know New England's mediocre, but it's in Foxborough. I think a lot of people are talking about the Cowboys. I think if Lamar didn't pull off and, you know, Hall of Fame-like performance, there would be more people being like, look at the Cowboys, look what they're doing. And I know it was against Mike Glennon and, and, Saquon, Bar- and Saquon Barkley went out. Something tells me Bill has something to keep this close. This is another, and I hate doing this, but New England loses, but they don't lose by four game. And there's just something fishy about that. But maybe it's just still I'm just relying on them to beat Buffalo. Or, excuse me, uh, just it's Bill Belichick and something's going to happen. So who knows? And then, you know what? I'm making an official pick. We didn't talk about it. Motor City Dan Campbell, he's doing his best with these Lions. But they are having more games like the Ravens where it's gut-wrenching and it comes down to the very end. But they keep losing. And it might have broken Dan Campbell. He cried at his press conference. But you know what? I like seeing that from that guy. That guy cares. He gives an S. And it's Detroit. Plus three and a half. I'm taking it. I honestly, I forgot to look up who they're actually playing here. I just the Bengals. Thank you. It is the Bengals, and maybe it's me picking against the Bengals as well. I forgot to write it down. And at home, Tim. Detroit is at home in that one. It's at home. Motor City Dan Campbell's got to get a win before Urban Meyer gets a win. Like, come on. They're not going to go zero and (laughs) seventeen with that guy at head coach. Give me the three and a half points. We don't know if Joe Burrow's fully healthy. He went to the freaking hospital after the last game. Come on, MCDC. I need you, buddy. Uh, I like that pick only because I want the Bengals to lose a game. We need let's also have that. AFC North teams lose games and have them go to, to three and three. Uh, those are fantastic. I enjoy the head to heads that we have. We don't have them very often, so I'm looking forward to see what happens in this Patriots game, Tim. When you're right, it'll one thousand percent be. Uh, that the Patriots lose this game by three points. I'm not super confident, but yeah, I think Dak Prescott just three interceptions out of nowhere, really. <laughs> it rains for three quarters of the game. It snows. We're clo- close enough to that in New England, right? Um, all right, well, the last thing left to do here is to go over the random Raven one more time. Uh, I'm going to give these these clues and give my, my co-host a chance here. This random Raven was an undrafted free agent out of football powerhouse University of Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> he signed with Baltimore in 2000, but spent a year on the practice squad before um, joining the active roster in 2001. He had made 55 appearances with the Ravens, including 32 starts, and he had 43 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns and 32 receptions for 179 yards over his Ravens career. He was a dominant blocker in, in at times, let's say, in spurts with the running game and was known to be solid in pass protection. He was a key contributor, helping Jamal Lewis achieve his 2,066-yard rushing season in 2003, and he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate in that season. He played with the Ravens from 2001 to 2005 and did not play for another team after that, and he wore the number 39. This is, uh, it's a road grader, let's say, at, at, at the position. It's, it's not Danny Woodhead. So uh, I turn to my co-host now, five-year road grader with a couple of carries in there for fun, helped Jamal Lewis 
rush for 2,000 yards. Any guesses from my co-hosts? The name I had was Ovi Mihaly, but I think we've done him already. <laughs> we have done we've done Ovi Mihaly, and he wore 34, not okay. 39, and he was later. This is it. Just hurts my heart because it's definitely a fullback, and it's not Sam Gash, who I want it to be, but it's not him. I'm gonna go with Obafemi Ayambadejo. That's a, what a pull, but it is not him. Unfortunately, that is ah. a great a great choice. Uh, it's Alan Ricard, five-year fullback for the Baltimore Ravens. We had another Ricard! That's right! Oh, no! From 2001 to 2005, 32 starts. Because, of course, we had a fullback with 32 starts over five seasons. Uh, and, yeah, couple of rushes, couple of catches, nothing too significant. But was, did go to the Pro Bowl in the year, you know, fitting that the fullback would go to the Pro Bowl in the year where the running back rushes for over 2,000 yards. So, Alan Ricard is this week's Random Raven. And if there was a listener out there who got this guy, let us know. Because we always uh, we enjoy the weeks where the maybe the co-host didn't know the name, but a listener may have gotten it. So let us know about that. Uh, anything else, guys, to, to you want to go over uh, before we close up here? I have one more thing, and it's a bit of breaking news that isn't really breaking news because you're not listening to this live. But as we record this, I have a bonus section for Ed Reed tweets. I, I just saw yes. this. <laughs> just so we, so we in capital, so just so we are clear at, in all caps, this moment, my title is chief, not coach, at this moment. Let's try this. Hello, Twitter. That's it. It's like he like he left, but he didn't. He's been there the whole time. And he's chief, not coach. And let's try this. Hello, Twitter. So I'm so confused by the tweet. I, I, <laughs> I almost brought it up to you. I, I, I was going to mention it back in Ed retweets. He is technically employed by the University of Miami now. He's their chief of staff for Miami Hurricanes. So literally, he is, yeah, that's the title. It's his title. <laughs> <laughs> what does the chief of staff do? It's hard to say. His bio page has no information on it uh, on the Miami website. But he is their chief of staff. As to what that means for the rest of the tweet, very uncertain. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, guys, it was a pleasure uh, being able to watch a Ravens game with you for the first time in a long time, all three of us together. And one of the best Ravens regular season wins. Uh, this year, we've had so many crazy regular season wins, but uh, certainly one of the more fun comebacks that, that I've watched in a long time. And it was great to watch it with you. Hopefully, we can do it again. As for this episode, I am Antonio Barbera, alongside Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.